Today's podcast is sponsored by Osea Malibu, the original plant-based, results-driven skincare line. You're listening to the Ordinary Vegan Podcast, where we teach you everything you need to know about adopting a plant-based diet full or part-time. Our goal is to empower you to live a long and healthy life. You can find today's show at OrdinaryVegan.net or on iTunes. If you have any questions, please send an email to questions at OrdinaryVegan.net. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ordinary Vegan Podcast number 90, Vegan Entrepreneurs Part 1. Today's podcast is dedicated to inspiring you to perhaps turn your passion for health and wellness into a powerful purpose and possibly a new career. If we haven't met, my name is Nancy Montori, and I am the founder and host of this podcast and website, OrdinaryVegan.net. My main purpose in life is to help you live a long and healthy life, and I do that by advocating a plant-based diet. And when you embrace a plant-based diet, you not only achieve your full health potential, you also contribute to the health of the planet. It's a win-win situation. Speaking of health, I had my annual physical a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, The results were just spectacular. I had a perfect blood pressure. I had low cholesterol. I had a normal EKG. And I just felt so proud of myself, honestly, for taking back my health and so grateful for that day, which was one of the worst days of my life. That day, May 1st, 2011, I felt like a wounded animal and I wanted to hide and go somewhere dark. So I went to a second-rate movie theater. I chose the documentary film Forks Over Knives because of its vague title. It seemed to mean nothing and nothing was definitely what I needed on that day. Numbly, I watched the movie and slowly became intrigued by these doctors, especially Dr. Campbell, in their scientific evidence that the cause of disease was the food you ate. Empirical, measurable, scientific evidence was just what I needed in that moment. And you know what they say, out of darkness comes light. And that's what happened to me. I totally changed my life and I decided to devote my time and energy to helping people get healthy. So I created the Ordinary Vegan website. I had no idea what I was doing and writing a blog was definitely foreign to me. But I did it anyways. And then in 2016, I created the Ordinary Vegan podcast. I was so scared, but I threw myself into it because I knew I could reach even more people with the plant-based message. For the first year, I don't think I ever listened to one of my podcasts because I didn't like hearing my voice, but then it became so much easier. In 2020, I released my first cookbook and I never thought in my life I would be an author. But this is where my passion for health and wellness led me. I am telling that story again because I want all of you to know that anything is possible. Never in a million years did I think this was my destiny. 
And as daunting as it may be to start a new business out of your home during a global crisis, this may be the time to get curious about yourself and examine how to follow your bliss, your passion. I have quoted Joseph Campbell on this podcast before, but I love this particular quote of his. Follow your bliss and the universe will open doors where there were only walls. The coronavirus is also creating a long-lasting change to the way we live and work, but sometimes a crisis is an opportunity to start something new. And the world of vegan businesses is booming because consumer attitudes are changing. Now is the time to get into the plant-based business. Today's podcast is focused on a vegan food entrepreneur, but there are many home-based vegan business ideas like being a vegan consultant, a vegan party planner, create vegan subscription boxes, be a vegan virtual assistant. And if you already have certain skills, like if you are an accountant, you could create a company that services vegan-friendly businesses. Or if you are exceptional in social media, become a social media manager for vegan businesses. And if you're in the tech business, vegan technology is exploding. There are now vegan dating apps and vegan concierge services. Or or you could even do a vegan cosmetic like my sponsor, Osea Malibu. At any rate, you get the picture. There are all kinds of opportunities in a thriving business. Some shining examples of vegan entrepreneurs who started small but consistently gave it their all and started a plant-based food movement is Ethan Brown, the founder of Beyond Meat. When I met Ethan in 2012, he was cooking and testing plant-based meat on this little stove in his El Segundo office. Beyond Meat stock is now selling at $143 a share and is on the way to being a $40 billion company. And it's not just about making money. You can do something to change the world like animal rights activist Jean Bauer, who is the founder of Farm Sanctuary. If you listen to podcast number 11, Compassion and Healthy Living with Gene Bauer, you know his story. Not only did he start a farm sanctuary, he also played a role in passing the first U.S. law to restrict industrial animal farming systems. Those are just a couple of examples because there are so many. Today's conversation is going to be with vegan entrepreneur, Emily Edwards, who just started a vegan business. Part two in our next episode will be a conversation with a longtime vegan entrepreneur. So let's talk to Emily and see how she went about starting a vegan food business. But before we do, I would like to thank our friends at Osea Malibu for sponsoring this podcast. Osea Malibu is the original plant-based, results-driven skincare line. Osea stands for the elements of wellness, ocean, sun, earth, and atmosphere. Their entire line is built on these four pillars and pulls from botanical sources around the world to create products that are truly protective. Their skin-nourishing products are made entirely of plant-derived ingredients. They are non-toxic and a good choice for moms-to-be. 
So take it from me. I love their products. Just go to asiamalibu.com slash ordinaryvegan10 for $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more. That offer expires December 21st, 2020. They also offer free shipping for U.S. orders of $75 and free samples with every order. So go to Osea, O-S-E-A, Malibu.com slash Ordinary Vegan 10 before December 21st, 2020. Now, I would like to introduce you to Emily Edwards. Emily Edwards is a former social worker turned founder of Emily Foods. She created her food line, Paradise Snacks, during her own weight loss journey because she became frustrated with the lack of healthy snacks, dips, and icing options. She wanted something that was low in sugar and plant-based. So Emily got to work in her kitchen and started making plant-based icings and dips with protein powder and quickly found out that even non-vegans love them. And that is how it all got started. Now let's see what we can learn from her journey. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the Ordinary Vegan Podcast. Thank you. Emily, we have a lot of people listening today who are very passionate about the vegan lifestyle. And as veganism continues to grow in demand across the world, this could be a very good time for people to take their passion and turn it into a business And you did exactly that. So I'm hoping you can help walk us through how to start a vegan food business. So I have lots of questions, but my first question is why you chose to start a vegan business and was it based on your passion for veganism? I actually uh, segued into this. I was on a weight loss journey back in 2015 and, um, my workout partner was actually a vegan. And so when I would make snacks and things, I would always have to take into consideration um, her diet plan as well. And so I, I was at that time, I was working with whey protein powder and started doing research and realized, you know, some of the benefits of the plant-based protein powders and uh, also realized that a lot of people had allergies to milk products and whey products and um just really started doing research and uh, started playing around in the kitchen with um, frostings and icings. And uh, I started off with the whey protein and, and then I started to realize my health. I'm 55 years old and I want to be around for as long as I can. <laughs> and so I playing with that and um, I bought every plant-based protein powder on the market. Uh, and I thought, nobody's going to eat this because it tastes like dirt. And so uh, I kept playing around, finally came up with just a recipe, a basic recipe in my kitchen. And then I spent a year down at Purdue Food Science in Lafayette. Uh, They helped me do product development. And so I walked away with Paradise Icing. And then from that point on, uh, I started really honing in on plant-based, realizing that you can get your protein powder from not only just plant protein, but from beans and other things. So I started just uh, playing around with that. And that was the evolving of Paradise Icing and Emily's Foods. Well, Emily, are you a chef or what, what, what did you do before you started Emily's Foods? I was a social worker. I was in private practice as a therapist for 15 years. And got burned out from that and wanted to make a pivot, but wasn't really sure what I wanted to do 
So I worked with a business coach, Dr. Carrie Aziz, for about two years. And I had sent her some of the products and she kept saying, well, maybe you should go into food. I was like, no, I don't want to go into food either. So um, with her persistence and, you know, just me really starting to understand the importance of food and um, and still wanting to help people, but not from a mental aspect, but more from a physical aspect, because people have such an intimate relationship with food. And then I started to realize there were so many people out there that just wasn't wasn't educated about food and the benefits of it and, you know, the serving size and the amount and how ingredients work together. So um, that's when I realized I could still help people, but it was from a different aspect. So I call it food psychology. (laughs) So who was your target audience for your dips and icings and pretzels? Millennial parents with school-age children. And the interesting thing about paradise icing is a plant, it's a sweet plant-based icing that functions as a dip. It has multiple functionality. You can use it as an icing for muffins, cupcakes, or you can use it as a dip for crackers, pretzels, or you can even use it as a creamer for your coffee. Did you begin all this with a business plan? No, I did not. (laughs) I had laugh at me if you will, but I had this concept that I I was going to create this wonderful product and everybody was going to buy it, and then I could just sell the company and go to Italy and lay out in the field with the buffalo and just, you know, live my life that way. Had No no one told me, I had no idea that to take a product to market and to run a successful food, CPG brand, all of the ins and outs that was behind it. I, I think if someone had told me that, maybe I would have said, you know what, I'll just stick with social work. But once I finally... <laughs> And I'm one of those people that once I start a project, I start something, I'm all in. So, well, let's get into that a little bit. Do you, do you make your products in your kitchen or do you rent a kitchen? I rent a kitchen, a kitchen in Valparaiso, Indiana, Nana Claire's Kitchen. And I've been in that kitchen since I started. Oh, so you've never, um, you've never cooked out of your own kitchen? No, no, no. My product is in about three stores and we sell it online, so it has the barcodes, the labels, and everything. So I've never, other than when I first created the first recipe, just playing around in the kitchen, then I went to Purdue, and from there, I was always in the kitchen. What is this Purdue place that you Purdue, went to? Yes. Purdue University in Lafayette, Indiana, and they have a food science department, and I spent a year and a half down there in product development. Really? I've never heard of that. Uh, it's good to know. Did you test the viability of your products or did you just go straight to market? I tested it. I gave away samples and went to um, different events. I did flea, I mean, farmer's markets. I did um, tasting events. I participated in so many events and I always kept some on me. So I was always giving away samples. And so one of the things I started to realize is that we call it paradise icing, but looking back in hindsight, it probably should have been called paradise dip because of the functionality of it and what it can do. So one of the things I spent a lot of time in the early phases is educating people. And I still do a lot of that. But now that I have sort of a footprint in the CPG world, it's not as difficult to get people to see what it is. And when you look at my Instagram posts, I show different ways of how it can be used. So that has been really, really good in helping consumers understand what the product is. Uh, what is your Instagram? 
Emily's E-M-I-L-Y-S underscore foods. Okay. So how do you source your ingredients and how do you find suppliers that you can trust? Oh, okay. Now, remember I told you I started this and I didn't have a clue of really what I was doing. <laughs> so initially I was buying my ingredients from grocery stores because I didn't know any better. And uh, so finally in my time at every grocery store, because I was using certain ingredients. And so then I started to, as I started to do research and spending more time at Purdue, they would give me, you know, check with this supplier, check with this person. And so finally I started to realize I needed to find, I needed to buy my ingredients in bulk. And so I would call, I would buy the, what I would do is go to the grocery store and buy what I was using if they had it or, or I'd find somewhere to order it. And I would look on the back of the packaging to see, you know, who manufactured this, where did it come from? And then I would call them. And sometimes people would laugh at me because I would always say, you know, I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to figure this out. So if I ask you a question, that doesn't make sense. Just laugh at me and please help me out. And people, my authentic, my authenticity really helped me gain some leverage in building relationships with my suppliers. I have about eight different suppliers. And when I call now, they know exactly who I am. We have conversations. But in the beginning, it was very, very difficult. Like one of my suppliers, I spent a year trying to convince them as a small company to bring me on as a client. And finally, one day I called. She says, you know what? We'll start you off small and we'll see how it works. How about the shelf life of your food? How do you create healthy products and give them an adequate shelf life without adding chemicals? Paradise icing does not have any additives or preservatives. It has a 12-month shelf life. Um, and I really believe it's the just the characteristics of the pea protein powder that's in there. The water activity is very, very low. And it does not require refrigeration even after open. It's just a unique, unique product. And um, so I'm really, really thrilled about that. And I'm also happy that my ingredients, where they're sourced from, and just the product itself. Like, these are things that I started to discover along the way. And, you know, I, I guess I have to thank God because the idea, you know, I created it. And wanted to take it to market. And a lot of the things I didn't know, I just knew I wanted to create this product. But I didn't know all the back-end stuff that I was going to have to do prior to creating the product. While we're on that subject, what exactly is pea protein? Pea protein is taken from yellow peas. They actually extract the protein out of it and make it into a powder. I know the cost to start a food business can vary wildly. Did you have to find investors um, to get your food business going? I have bootstrapped everything. When you start looking at investors and uh, angel, angel investors, venture capitalists, they're looking at your sales, your traction, how well have you done. And Paradise Icing has been slow to getting the traction. I'm starting to gain some traction now. I've been featured in magazines and um, gotten some more stores and our e-commerce site uh, has increased in sales. So I'm just grateful and thankful for that. But that's uh, uh, investors and venture capitalists and angel investors is a whole different thing. But friends and family is giving me money and support along the way. But the majority of it, I've bootstrapped it myself. Why did you make the pretzels grain free? The pretzels came from, they come from another company. And that's their signature. And so I bought them at wholesale 
and paired them with paradise icing because I thought that would just be paradise icing was already gluten free, no preservatives, no additives. So I thought this will be a marriage made in heaven to pair it with these pretzels. I agree. Um, so how uh, how did you choose your name? Obviously, that your name is. Uh Emily's Foods, but how about the branding and the package design? Um, what story did you want to tell your customers when you were designing all that? Well, pa- the name Paradise came from because I thought, as a Christian woman, I thought in the beginning, I wanted, in the beginning, everything was clean in the garden, you know, clean, no preservatives, no additives. So I wanted something like that. So I was talking to my brother one day and he says, just call it Paradise. So that's where Paradise Icing came from. I wanted, the story behind it is I wanted something clean, no preservatives, no additives. I wanted people to enjoy it. I wanted them to be able to enjoy their sweets, to pepper their palates with something sweet without feeling guilty. I wanted them to take a dip into paradise and, you know, spread the love, spread the sweetness, but not feel guilty with eating it and not worry about hidden ingredients that you couldn't, that you know, that wasn't on the label, but they're in there somewhere. How do you decide on pricing? Is there a magic formula for that? Pricing, cost of goods is what you're thinking about. So you're looking at how much, what does it cost me to buy the ingredients, to make it, to package it, and everything. Uh, You're looking at all of that, and you take that in as a whole, and then you have to decide, you you figure out what your wholesale price is going to be, and then what that retail price is going to be from there. But it's based on... Per unit, what does it cost you per unit to make your product? Okay. So do you do your own shipping or do you use a fulfillment center? I do my own shipping right now. Wow. I was using a nonprofit fulfillment center that hired people with uh, developmental disabilities, but unfortunately it closed down because of COVID-19. What challenges have you had since the pandemic? Well, the first challenge I had, I actually had COVID-19. So really navigating through that and, and still trying to run a business was uh, a very a very difficult challenge for me, but I made it through. Um, it also prevented me from doing demos in the stores where my product is. It uh, trade shows anything that I would normally be able to do functioning on a day to day basis as far as being able to connect with people that that was a challenge for me. And then really just understanding, spending a lot of time on social media and understanding what consumers were wanting. You know, comfort food was one of them. And I often think that my, our chocolate paradise icing tastes a lot better than Nutella's. And so really figuring out how to reach those audiences and uh, just pivot from there. And, and even dealing with your own emotions during this time as a not, you know, just as a individual as an entrepreneur, and just trying to bring all that together because life as we knew it was totally disrupted and just abruptly, if you will. You mentioned social responsibility on your website. What does that mean to you and why was that important? Because I think socially it's important that as an entrepreneur, as a company, that your customer or just the world sees you as authentic that you're willing to give back, you're transparent. And I think as humans, it's our job to give back to others and to promote the environment and to be socially responsible as an individual, as an entrepreneur, and as a company. So my last question is, 
what other hard lessons you have learned starting a small vegan business and what advice would you give to anyone listening today who would like to become a vegan food entrepreneur? Love your product, but don't be so attached to it that when individuals give you feedback that you take it personally because you're not selling the product to yourself, you're selling it to the customer. And so you want the customer to be happy. So if someone is providing feedback to you, be able to detach yourself from it and take that feedback into consideration. Also, I would say make sure that you connect with like-minded people in the industry. Go to events or, you know, right now everything is on Zoom. Uh, Attend Zoom events. A lot of the events are free. Make connections on LinkedIn. Start commenting on Straighten somebody else's frown out. Come in on other people. Celebrate other people's wins to build those relationships so that when you do need help and need something, you put those relationships in place. Don't be afraid to fail. Failure is not the end. That just means this didn't work. So what do I do next? Be able to pivot and pivot fast. Don't dwell on yesterday because yesterday is spilled milk. You got to get up, move, keep going. Keep trusting the process and never give up. If that's what you truly, truly want, you know, you're going to have the naysayers, but you got to deep, you got to dig deep down within yourself to believe in yourself and know that you have a product that you can take to market. That is great advice, Emily. Thank you so much for sharing all this information with the Ordinary Vegan audience. We really appreciate it. And we wish you well with your business and just can't wait to see it in Whole Foods and places like that. So good luck. Thank you so very much. And you stay safe and have a great day. And once again, thank you for having me. You too, Emily. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. Thanks to Osea Malibu for being today's sponsor. You can find a link to their website in this week's show notes. You can find my organic vegan CBD products made from hemp at ordinaryvegan.net. And according to the American Sleep Association, and I'm quoting them, CBD from hemp may interact with specific receptors, potentially helping with the sleep-wake cycle. Additionally, you can find my new cookbook, the Easy 5-Ingredient Vegan Cookbook, on my website. For recipes and inspiration, follow me on Instagram, at Ordinary Vegan. And join our fantastic group on Facebook. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook health and wellness community. Also, please share this podcast so our community can grow and grow. And if you have time, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The more reviews we receive, the better chance of spreading the compassion one plant-based meal at a time. Please stay strong and stay well. Till next time. Thanks for joining our plant-based community today. Together, we can accomplish great things. Please subscribe so you don't miss any of Ordinary Vegan's recipes and plant-based tips. If you have any questions or feedback, email us at questions at ordinaryvegan.net. Until next time.